10 and 0 going into the final stretch of the season both on the road. We'll talk a little bit more about the final two games of the season later in the interview, but coach, let's begin with this. You finished the home slate perfect at home, a goal of yours going into the year, and I think most of all you reignited the community over 6,900 at the most recent game, bunch of sellouts. What's that mean to you in your program? I think it means we um we're playing pretty good football. Uh, we're playing an exciting brand of football and obviously you know, people want to support a winner, so uh, I think kids can continue to do the things that they're doing on the field and, uh, you know, win football games, and obviously the fan support, the students, the university community, the alumni, are, we're a huge part of that because our kids feed off the energy that the crowd provides, and, you know, to see the type of support that we've had, uh, you know, throughout the season has been, uh, it's been tremendous. When you look at the tailgates and the, the various true college game day experience moments that you've seen, what stands out to you? you? You spoke to me before, I believe, the Lehigh game and said, I've never seen anything like this on Fordham's campus. No, I mean, it's um, we want it to be the uh, rule rather than the exception, but to, but to see, you know, the kind of, um, you know, people from, you know, General students, alumni, you know, Fordham football alumni, just just people uh, galvanized and re-energized and, um, you know, focused on supporting the team and, you know, being back on campus. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's what, what college football is supposed to be about. Talking with Joe Moorhead during the one-on-one pregame report before the Lafayette game. And, Coach, when you look at the other programs here at Fordham, the men's basketball team just gets Eric Pascal. Last year they got John Sevier in the recruiting process. The women's team getting Aliyah Jones, New York State Player of the Year. So some big recruits there. For your team, how much has recruiting changed for you in the last couple of months in terms of the pitch that you're making to these kids? I don't know so much that the pitch has changed as the uh, kids are seeing a tangible um, evidence of our philosophy and, and the direction of our goals. And uh, you know, heading into our very first recruiting class, we talked that we wanted to be a perennial cha- championship, perennial Patriot League championship team that contends for a national championship, and the message hasn't changed. But I think the kids now are seeing that um, the things that we're talking about on paper are coming, becoming a reality on the field. So, uh, you know, I think that certainly helps our cause. What's the focus then of, of the second recruiting class for you guys, position-wise, or, or even what are you looking for in players specifically in terms of physical attributes? Uh, you just want guys that you know fit your system, um, both sides of the ball and special teams. So you know we just have, like everyone else in the country, we have a needs by number, where there's a certain number of scholarships you want at each position, or a certain number of players, um, and then you just have to you know as graduation hits, you need to fill those numbers and. Uh, you know, I think, you know, our, our recruiting class uh, thought process and our philosophy is we want kids that are that are athletic and very good football players and can help us win a national championship, who are smart, who are tough, who are disciplined and care more about team success and individual recognition. And, uh, you know, you get enough of those guys in your program, you create a, you know, a culture that's self-perpetuating. And, um, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, it's a great foundation for us to build on for the future. Well, and when the team starts to get some significant accolades for their 10-0 record, so too does the coach. And it seems like when Archie Manning is starting to sing your praises, uh, it seems like maybe you've, you've reached that next level. What does it mean for you to get praise from a guy like Archie Manning who's so well-known in the football community? Oh, it's, it's very humbling to know that a guy of uh, Archie Manning's um, – Stature even knows who you are, so that that's a plus to begin with. But to, you know, to have him, you know, talking about what we're doing here as a program and, and the direction we're heading, and the things we've accomplished. Obviously, you know, he's the 
the godfather of, <laughs> of modern quarterback play with Eli and Peyton, and uh, certainly knows a lot about the game. So, you know, that's very humbling and very, um, you know, very much a testament to what our, our team's been able to do. Well, and I guess maybe not the godfather, but just the father himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, Coach, when you look at all the media praise that you're getting, guys like Stephen Hodge, who maybe aren't physically that imposing, but just have played so well, whether it's in the system or really for him it seems like motor and he does so many things well on the field. But to see guys like that who maybe weren't big-time recruits coming in, getting you know daily news articles and being the features of, of major stories, What's that say about your program that these guys are coming here and being successful the way they have been? I think the first thing it says is that our staff is committed to putting 11 best players on the field at a time, whether you're a senior, a freshman, a full scholarship player, or a walk-on. You know, we're going to play the people that deserve to play, and he certainly has earned that. And uh, you know, like like it's been you know mentioned in the articles, you know, he doesn't fit the prototype from a physicality standpoint or an athletic standpoint, but. Um, you know, he finds a way to make plays. You know, his motor runs 100 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, he, he practices like he plays. So there, there, there's no, um, you know, it's it's not, you know, what you see from him every play in practice is what you see on him on Saturdays. And, and we preach to our kids that our preparation during the week is going to, you know, is what you're going to see in the game on Saturdays. So, uh, you know, I couldn't be more happy for him because he's, he's earned every, every, uh, every bit of praise that he's gotten. Mike Watson, Joe Moorhead on the one-on-one pregame report before the Lafayette game here on 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. Coach, let's start to look forward to this game. Let's start at the quarterback position. Michael Niebrick still listed as the number one on your depth chart going into the week, but what's his status and what more can you tell us about the injury he suffered last week? Um, it was not an ACL injury. It was a meniscus injury. And, uh, you know, on Sunday we got – or Monday we got it taken care of. So uh, he's been going through uh, – you know, rigorous rehab. He's very committed to getting better, and you know, he came back from his ACL in six months. So, um, you know, uh, you know, Michael's not going to play in this game in the Lafayette game. Uh, so, you know, Peter's going to do a great job, and we're, we're excited about that. And um, you know, we'll um, you know play our hardest and do our best in this game, and then come back Sunday and uh, you know see where we are and see how Michael's feeling, and then go from there. Coach, that obviously puts a bit of flux into the quarterback position this week. So in terms of snaps in practice, how many is Peter maybe taking with the first team that maybe he wouldn't have taken a week ago? And who's going to step into the second quarterback role this week in case that's necessary? The, um, he's taken the um, you know, the share of the snaps that, that this first first string quarterback would take during the week. If we, if we run 18 plays in a period, um, we break it down into two nine-play segments. The the one takes six, and the two takes three. And uh, if it's twelve play, then it's six three three. So P- Peter's he's taking all the one reps, and um, Nick Logau's taking the two reps. And um, yeah, same thing. We talk, I actually mentioned after practice, it's next, next man in. If something happens to Peter, we expect Nick to go in and you know uh, play as well as the other two guys have played. So that's and no excuses. I mean, and, uh, that's that's college football. Uh, Peter wasn't a guy that you recruited coming out of high school, but give me the, the scouting report on him and, and what he does effectively and what he can do specifically in your system, even though maybe he wasn't built for your system. No, I think I think you, you know, you tailor your scheme and your game plan to match your personnel. And, uh, you know, I think Peter brings a lot of things to the table that Michael brings. Probably has a, a tiny bit stronger arm, uh, quick release, very accurate. Uh, you know, very calm, you know, even keel demeanor, uh, tremendous in his preparation during the week, really smart football IQ. Uh, you know, the thing that's a little bit different than Michael, that he's not as much a threat to, to um, 
you know, create a play when it's not there or, or in our read game, you know, where Michael may take it for 50. Peter's going to, you know, get a nice little gain and get down. But, uh, you know, he's certainly not immobile, but he's just not, not quite, you know, the playmaker Michael is with his feet, but certainly capable. So when you look into this week, how much does your game plan change? Are we going to see maybe more of Carlton Kuntz in the running game? Or is it really going to be very similar to what we've seen the rest of the season? No, it didn't change one iota. I mean, we, we um, you know, we, we went in and we game planned on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and you know, put the plan together that's, you know, been very similar to the ones that we've had uh, for the first 10 weeks and just with the understanding that, you know, some of the things that Michael brought to the table we may not see and, you know, some of the things that, you know, Peter may do a little bit differently we, we may uh, focus on a little bit more. But from, you know, the, the way that we formulated the game plan, it, it really – it didn't vary from the first 10 weeks. Now, obviously, Michael Niebrick may be the, the big injury everyone's talking about this week, but guys like Tabucky Jones, who missed last week, what's his status and the other injuries that are maybe playing the roster at this point? Uh, you got the normal Knicks and, and Dings uh, for, for a Week 11 football team, but Tabucky practiced all week, and he's going to play in the game. He's fine. And, uh, you know, aside from that, everyone else is, is healthy and ready to go. Mike Watson, Joe Moorhead here on 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org before Fordham and Lafayette starts in Easton, Pennsylvania. And, Coach, when you look at Lafayette, Drew Reed maybe is, is the biggest impact player from taking a team that was 0-5 out of conference to making them 3-1 and in conference, completing 80% of his passes. How do you get a guy like that out of his rhythm, especially when you had a quarterback this year who's completing at a similar pace? Uh for, it's, he's very impressive for for a true freshman to come in there and to be able to complete over eighty percent of your passes, and I think it's a thirteen to one touchdown to interception ratio. I mean that's that's darn impressive for a young guy, and I think it's you know uh, credit to their coaching staff for um, understanding what his skill set is and putting him in a position to be successful with his reads and the throws that he makes, and you know obviously with Mark Ross and some of their other skill players that helps take a little bit of the pressure off him. But uh, you know the kid's talented. I mean he's you know he's obviously uh, you know very smart. You know, knows where he's going with the ball, minimizes mistakes, and you know, uh, and can tuck it away and scramble when, when uh, nothing's there. So, uh, you know, for for a young guy, he's done a very admirable job. Uh, defensively, what does Lafayette do maybe differently this week than they would have with maybe a Michael Niebrick in the lineup? And what's their overall mo? What do they do effectively to really try and stop what you do so well in the spread offense? Um, I don't know that they'll necessarily change anything from from their standpoint, but you know, what they do best is kind of give you a variety of uh, looks. And, uh, you know, they'll play three down front. They'll play four down front. Uh, they'll play max coverage. Uh, you know, they'll pressure you and play zone behind it, play man behind it, and, uh, you know, bring it from a lot of different numbers and angles and, uh, you know, secondary blitzes, linebacker blitzes. Uh, you know, I think they try to create a lot of confusion. I think they try to make your line block movement. And uh, I think they try to vary the coverage looks for the quarterback. So I think Coach Luce and his staff do a very good job with that. And, uh, you know, they play hard, they run to the ball, and, you know, create a lot of turnovers. So, and, uh, and uh, it'll be a big challenge. Lafayette was just on the verge of maybe winning the Patriot League. Now things are a little bit different for them. It's a bit of an uphill climb. It's senior day for them. They can't be 500. But it seems like knocking off number five would be exactly what the doctor ordered for them. How do you make sure your team comes out and takes care of business early against a team that's 0-6 when they trail at the half? Because we've got as much at stake, if not more, than these guys do. You know, I mean, they're that senior day. You know, they, um, you know, with a little help, they could still fight for the Patriot League championship. You know, but we're getting everybody's best shot now. I mean, when you're a top five team in the country, everyone's going to bring their A game. But you know what? So are we. So, uh, 
know, our kids understand what's at stake with this game. But I haven't asked them to, you know, the message this week was don't be perfect for the entire season, be perfect this week. So uh, with our preparation during the week and how hard we play and how well we execute, you know, what can we do as a team to be 1-0 this week? You know, we're going to expect their, uh, Lafayette's best effort. They're a good team. They're well coached. But, you know, we got a lot to play for as well. Coach, finally, when you look at, at your team's progression over the season and it really into the last two weeks, what does it mean to still be undefeated? There's only two teams left in FCS who, who can say that, and could you have ever imagined this when you started fall camp in August? Um, you, you can imagine it, but I, I don't know you necessarily can comprehend it till it becomes a reality that, um, you know, that, you ask them to go one and zero every week, and uh, you tell them that last week doesn't matter this week. But as the wins keep stacking on top of each other, you know, week by week by week, you know, it, it becomes more of a reality as you get closer to the finish line. But uh, you know, we got to focus focus on hurdle number eleven and not worry about twelve or one through nine and or one through ten, and um, you know, have great singleness of purpose. But you know, these kids, they've, I mean, it's our players have earned everything they've gotten. So uh, you know. You only get one chance to be undefeated, and uh, you know we, we need to go undefeated this week. Coach, thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you. The countdown to kickoff continues after this timeout. You're listening to Fordham Rams football.